second runoff. It's crossover Thursday here on the Locked On Podcast Network. That means it's AFC North rivalry time as the Pittsburgh Steelers take on the Cleveland Browns. We've got our crossover episode with myself, Chris Carter of Locked On Steelers, and Jeff Lloyd of Locked On Browns. We're going to take a global approach and look at the AFC North, where they started, where they've come, what's going to happen in these in these final weeks, and who might be in the playoffs. And then also, of course, asking each other questions, getting you ready for a huge showdown on Monday Night Football. Let's get into it. You are Locked On Steelers, your daily Pittsburgh Steelers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome to the Locked On Crossover Thursday. It's Chris Carter. It's Jeff Lloyd. We're going at it. Jeff, we've been doing this for quite some time now. It's good to see your face on camera, buddy. Uh, but it's a huge <laughs> matchup for the, AF, for, the, for, the, for the destiny of the AFC, AFC North. Neither of these teams lead the division, of course. The Steelers sit at 7-7-1. Seven and, seven and one. The Browns sit at 7-8. and eight. Both of these teams need to win this game to keep their playoff hopes alive. They also, they both, both of both of the teams need some help, but it's an exciting game. And it's also an exciting year to kind of see what the AFC North is going to be moving forward. Because I think all, all of us were looking at this as a, a, a season where you thought, we thought the Ravens would be the team that would be one of the, one of the guys out front. And they are right now, but they're trending so far backwards because of their injuries that the Bengals have taken things over. Jeff, I wanted to get your thoughts on the on the Bengals and what's been the biggest factor for them taking out such a strong hold of the division this year? Um, you know whether you agreed with it or, or not. You know the Bengals' approach of drafting Jamar Chase, where they did, um, it seemed like they were okay at the skill position, maybe a little bit more invested in the line. Um, but you see the makings, and I think for me, the one thing I can maybe describe what this Bengals' offense kind of looks like. And I'm not saying Joe Mixon is Marshall Falk. But you go back to maybe like the original Kurt Warner with the Rams, like yeah. what you can do with this type of wide receiver room, you know, Boyd, maybe playing in Ozakim. Then you have Chase and you have Higgins kind of maybe giving you uh, you know, the Bruce Holt effect. It's really it's a special, special unit uh, and the potential of it with the age of it. And, you know, the fact that, you know, Cincinnati really can't draw free agents. So, you know, the possibilities there that if this looks really good. They can make it sustainable just by paying everybody. They always have the cap space to keep their own. It's a question of whether or not they can bring in others. Um, you know, still a little work to do on the defense, but that's fine. Maybe they can actually draw a free agent or two if they were actually able to pull off this AFC North. Um, they can still invest in the line. You have everything else you need to skill. I think everybody knew the potential was there in Cincinnati. Granted, nobody has, you know, done been successful in this division, kind of like we thought. Maybe we figured there'd be an 11-win team by now, 12-win team by now. Obviously, that's not going to happen anyway whatsoever. Um, so everybody kind of lied around in the weeds, and the Bengals' offense just, you know, continues to click. Um, interesting enough, the only, you know, defense they seem to have an issue with at one time was the Browns, which, ironic enough, I guess, is, is where we're sitting here. But you really, really look at where, you know, the potential is for the Bengals right now. And like you said, you know, the Steelers, obviously some major changes probably coming there. The Bay, uh, the Browns are going to be faced with some tough, tough decisions. Um, the Ravens, I think they're maybe at a little bit of crossroads as far as, you know, what they're going to do. It's not necessarily a question of personnel, 
but it's maybe have they gone as far with their offense coordinators Lamar Jackson as they can. So a lot going on here. But for the Bengals, it, it's it's been fun to see the evolution of it. Um, and, you know, obviously, you know, with you know the passing of John Madden yesterday, um, it's weird to say that you would think with next year's Madden game, uh, it's going to be a lot of people fighting over who gets to use the Bengals. It's kind of crazy to think that. It's crazy to think. And like you said, their offensive weapons are are just numerous. You know, and their offensive line coming together to protect Joe Burrow, to, to get things going in the ground game, I think that's also been a major story for, for them. Um, but that offense, I mean, and that defense has has made plays for them this year. They've they've had they've had a big some big games, uh, and they have a huge game against the Kansas City Chiefs because you know there's some people out there that, that, that think like, well, that you know whoever comes out of the AFC North is just going to get crushed in the playoffs. Well, this would be a big game for the Bengals to show like, hey, not well, at least not us because we you know if they play the Kansas City Chiefs and yes, they're at home. But you know the Chiefs. You saw what they did to the Steelers. They've been you know, and, and they've the Chiefs have figured out a lot of things on defense and offense late in this late in this season. The Bengals. You know, Joe Burrow going up against Patrick Mahomes. You know, one of the guys that's the rising quarterbacks of the AFC versus the guy who's on top at quarterback in the AFC right now. Um, big matchup this weekend at, at one o'clock uh, to, to to push things forward. Um, I'm just I'm really intrigued by the possibilities of this division when you look at Joe Burrow and what he's doing on offense. But you know, with Lamar. Jackson, they, they still, or even still haven't signed him to an extension, and they still kind of have to formulate a plan around him. You know, I think the Ravens are are you know are rebuilding a little, you know, different parts of their roster, and you know, granted, also part of that is they were they've been ridiculously hurt up and then you know just attacked with COVID this year. Um, but you know, at one point they were the team that everyone was thinking, oh, that's the team that's going to run run away with the division. Um, and you know, then then all of a sudden they're playing with Josh Johnson in a weekend. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, Josh Johnson in a shootout against uh, Joe Burrow. Um, it, it's just been obviously, you know, and, and from the Cleveland perspective of it, it, it just it comes so fast and it's so decimating to watch basically six to seven guys walk out of the locker room three days in a row. Yeah. Uh, you know, when, for the Browns, you put a head coach on top of that and so many other things. Um, and, you know, look, we're not going to pontificate on what's going on right now with the league, but I'll just say that I, you know, it sounds like it's something where, you know, basically a whole bunch of guys are saying, just don't tell mom and everything will go away with what the NFL is doing as far as COVID to close out this season. Um, But it's been a hell of a ride. And I think we all thought maybe there would be fighting for playoff spots within the AFC North. Mm -hmm. I think 17 weeks into it, we didn't, none of us figured that the AFC North was going to be battling it out for one playoff spot. Yeah, uh, everybody, obviously, you know, it, whatever your intentions were, everybody's probably underachieved a little bit to some point for whatever fan base you are. I think everybody maybe felt the team would be a little bit better. Maybe Bengals fans would be remiss there. And even still, if you thought the Bengals were maybe a nine win team, did you think nine wins was going to be good enough to pull out the AFC North? Um, very well, certainly could be. Um, and for Cleveland, it would have to be nine for them to pull it off. Uh, so you go into this weekend and it's crazy here with the Chiefs. Uh, obviously, you know, huge in determining the standings in the AFC North last week against the Steelers. They are going to be pivotal Sunday in the one o'clock time slot against the Cincinnati Bengals. And for us, Chris, look, uh, Brown Steelers, it's always going to be a football game. Mm-hmm. Um, but if the chances are that the Chiefs pull this off on Sunday, I mean, that takes Monday night. I mean, it just takes it, you know, it takes it from 10 to about 100 Absolutely. as far as, you know, the intensity level. Um, certainly, you know, the rivalry, the fans, just the you know electricity that'll be in Heinz on Monday night. Uh, for me and you personally, mm-hmm. <laughs> let's go Chiefs, baby. Yeah, right. It's, it's, it's like it's like go get go get a Pat Mahomes. Um, and it, it's also funny how with the situation that, bo- that that both these teams have created for themselves, it's very it's very likely that 
both teams, whoever wins this game is going to need the other team to win the next week to, you know, the Steelers mm-hmm. play the Ravens that the, they need to make sure that the, they need to make sure, Hey, get the Ravens out of the way so that they're not in the tiebreaker scenarios for the Browns and the Steelers in the same way. Hey, Browns, you got to knock off the Bengals if they lose to the chiefs. Cause they, you know, that's the only way that the Steelers are going to catch them. This is just, a, it's an odd situation, but I, one thing, I mean, I think is, is really cool about the division, despite, you know, all, everyone kind of being medi- in that mediocre range this year, this is still. I mean, this is an ex- this is an extremely competitive division with everyone within like a half game of each other. Uh, you know, you know, and, and the fact that down to the wire here, last place can jump to first place, and first place can jump to third or fourth again, thir- third or last place if th- if th- certain things go out that way. So certainly a competitive division. We talked about that in the preseason about how this was gonna you know, this was gonna be a close race and this was gonna be a tough division. Uh, you know, whoever came out on top, but it's gonna be an interesting ride the rest of the way. We're gonna take a quick break when we come back i want to get i want to get jeff asking me questions about the steelers because there's a lot of there's a lot of things going down right now when it comes to you know covid when it comes to injuries and where both of these teams are you know i I think both of these teams could have used a monday night football week to give them just an extra day to prepare so we're going to get jeff's questions to me in just a second but first we're going to talk to you about betonline.ag betonline has you covered all season long with more props odds and lines than ever before football season continues the march to the playoffs betonline remains your number one one spot for all the sports action this season head to the new updated west desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit just be sure to use the promo code locked on that's l-o-c-k-e-d-o-n locked on all capital letters all one word and you'll receive that 50 percent welcome bonus from basketball to football to nhl to boxing to ufc right down to your favorite vegas casino games don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season at bet online the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports and bet online where the game starts. Just want to make sure everybody um, understands, uh, of course, happy holidays from all of us here at the Lockdown Podcast Network. Happy New Year. Um, Again, here, maybe a second year in a row where, you know, the holidays were a little bit different. Uh, Let's all hope and pray that, you know, these days are hopefully soon, soon Mm -hmm. behind us as we seem to be, you know, down a deeper rabbit hole here once again with COVID and obviously new strains here as well. Um, One thing I want to start with here, Chris, a little bit of a coaching switch up here in Pittsburgh. Um, It's not uncommon this time of year to hear that maybe a member of a staff, um, his plans are already made as far as moving on to something else. Um, but it is, for me, it seems a little strange with two games to go. Pittsburgh Steelers still certainly breathing, still with an opportunity to maybe somehow pull off the AFC North, that you let said coach head off to his new destination with two weeks to go. Yeah, so, of course, Jeff, for Browns fans who don't know, Jeff's talking about uh, Adrian Clem, the Steelers' offensive line coach and a first-year offensive line coach uh, for the for the team. Well, he, he was their assistant last year, but this is his first year as the, at the, yeah, as the main offensive line coach. He departed for Oregon, um, you, know, you know, to be their offensive line coach. And a lot of us were questioning what was going on. Now, a lot of people at first, our response was, well, this is just a sign that the Steelers aren't happy with what's going on in the offensive line and that, you know, they haven't really coalesced. They were, they were trending upwards in the middle 
middle of the season and that's all come crashing down. Kendrick Green at center has not looked good. Dan Moore Jr. has like shown flashes here and there, but he's still getting beat beat a ton. Trey Turner's the one veteran who's trying to hold it together, but their left guard position's been beat up. You know, it's just it's been it's been a, a lot of questions on the offensive line. So when we see that the Steelers announced that like they're letting Adrian Clem go uh to to, to Oregon, because basically the, the report was made the week before. It was an interesting hit here. Now, Mike Tomlin did say on Tuesday, and this could be Mike Tomlin just, you know, being the captain that he is and just keeping the ship steady. He did say, hey, we, you know, we talked to Adrian about this, you know, beforehand. He came to us and let us know he was extremely professional about it. And, you know, you, and it was a situation where college, he said the, the, the coaching landscape is changing with how much money these colleges are offering and what, they, and what they're offering. So I mean, basically insinuating with his comments that, Adrian Clem was going to get paid a lot more money to go coach this, you know, Oregon football's offensive line uh, than, you know, being, being a Pittsburgh Steeler. So it seemed like that was what they're saying, but ultimately I, I do think that there's a question here about, you know, how the, how, what went into this as far as, you know, were the Steelers just unhappy with the production that they had at the offensive line and wanted to say, hey, you know what, we're going to you know, it, it's pretty evident to me that they're going to reinvent reinvest into the offensive line next year when that now they'll have cap space and now that they'll have addressed a few other skill positions. So it might be a situation like, hey, we'll give the we we'll give the next guy, Chris Morgan, a shot to see how, how he looks in these two these final two weeks. And if we don't like him, we'll go out and just get a new guy that we incorporate with whatever rookies and free agents that they signed. So I think the Steelers, it, it's a very it, you're right. It's a very precarious situation, but we will see. Uh, we will see what you know how this plays out in the final weeks, and if it leads to them actually hiring someone outside of their organization next year. Um, and it's actually you know for the first thing because when, when the news came and it initially broke, I remember going back to our episode a little bit before Halloween, as you know Pittsburgh and Cleveland played on Halloween Sunday, and you seemed almost a little giddy talking about the young offensive line, and you kind of yeah. liked where they were headed. And now to hear you two months later. Um, obviously, a whole it's, different story. Just so much changes in NFL yeah. season. Yes. Yeah, it's, it, it's been a flip. Kendrick Green went from being like, a, "Hey, you're really physical," to you're like, "You're not getting your hands on anybody." Dan Moore Jr. Oh, you also went from being you're really physical. I, I will say Dan Moore Jr. hasn't been hasn't regressed as much as more so. Just like he's a rookie offensive tackle and he's taking on the best pass rusher each team's trying to throw it at Ben Roethlisberger's blind side. Um, and injuries. I mean, they they're down to at one point. I think right last week they were playing their their fifth left guard this season. So it's just it's been a, it's been a, a bunch of things. And I'd say their best off. Offensive lineman Kevin Dotson, he's been on injured reserve. There's a chance he might play this game. That would be a big boost. But it's been a complete flip in the direction the Steelers were hoping for. That's what they were. That's what they were hoping would be the saving grace for the offense in the second half of the season. That, that hey, this group will have played together and gotten better together. And then all of a sudden, there's there's more of a run game, and there's and that allows Ben Roethlisberger to play off the play action. That just hasn't happened. Uh... As a team who started five tackles this year on the offensive line, Chris, I truly understand where you're yeah. coming from in that respect, my friend. Um, ben here, um, I mean, for all intents and purposes, I think everybody knows where this is going. And, you know, as far as you know, addressing the offensive line, this also might partly be for the Steelers. We don't know what kind of offensive line we need for 2022. Um, you know, obviously, you know, after such an incredibly long run for Ben, um, you know, you kind of have to view the whole situation differently as it works on. How has Ben been holding up? Because we went through this last year, maybe even kind of the year before. You understand the age, the wear and tear, and Ben's just got an overall big body. Where Where's he at physically? Is there much really left there? Or are we seeing something maybe similar to you know the way 2020 unfolded and ended for the Steelers? 
I, I think it is very similar to 2020 in that, you know, Ben, he's just, he's not mobile. And so much of what the NFL needs today with quarterbacks is at least being able to move around and create opportunities uh, with your feet and force defenses to think that way. I mean, heck, you even saw Mason Rudolph isn't exactly a fast guy, but you saw at the end of that Chiefs game, he was able to break a 20 yard run when they didn't care about it. And, and like, you know, he, when they brought heat, Ben Roethlisberger, he, he can barely move to get out of his own way at this point. And Mike Tomlin's talked a lot about how mobile quarterbacking is changing the NFL and it's something that's important. So I get the impression that, you know, the Steelers are are like, hey, Ben, we kept you around because your contract basically wouldn't have helped us, you know, if, if we had cut you or you had retired. We wanted to give you a send-off year. Um, and this has kind of been that, you know, Ben Roethlisberger, like it was it was the first time that his family traveled in mass to an away game last week. Uh, so it was kind of like, you know, the, the thinking of that. And, and something I pointed out on Twitter because the Steelers, this is now two games with the Chiefs and the Bengals that they've lost by a lot of points. And in both of those games, Steelers fans are like, why is Ben Roethlisberger in here so late when he, when he can get killed? And I was like, I, I think you guys don't realize this might be him saying like, you know, I'm a warrior. I want to go out on my own shield and I'm going to, I want to, this, this is my last go. So I'm going to take as many reps as possible. Cause I savor that, save the game. He does love the game of football. Um, so I, I think that it, it is the sign that this is the, this is the last two glass go for him. Um, but we'll, we'll see, you know, there's been rumors that he'll, he's thinking that, that he's, this is the last year with the Steelers and he might go somewhere else we'll see how that plays out um but uh bottom line I do think the Steelers they they know that they need a different look at quarterback whether that's you know a rookie whether that's a veteran you know Mike Tomlin's been rumored for Jay Glazer to want a veteran to come into Pittsburgh you know people I've talked to a former uh GM of the Bills and a guy who worked in the front office of the Pittsburgh Steelers Doug Whaley he says that you know you, you shouldn't actually rule out Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson for the Steelers you know, I have my own opinions on how they need to focus on reconstructing other parts of the team and maybe waiting, just waiting for their guy to come at quarterback. But um, it's certainly it's it's the biggest question in Pittsburgh uh, that'll be happening all offseason until until we know what happens. Um, and of course, everyone just keeps like ESPN is going to keep bringing up Aaron Rodgers as a potential thing in Pittsburgh until it doesn't happen. Um, yeah, I, you know, cause that was kind of my impression. Cause uh, of course, you know, Browns fans still clinging on maybe, you know, cause you know, that was probably the one takeaway you got from Saturday, Aaron Rodgers and his team looked at the Browns and said, Oh, you know what? We'll just go there. I'd rather just play that, you know? And I think the whole thing now is where we're truly at with Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers camp may have had enough talks with enough people to realize that the best place for Aaron Rodgers is right where his butt is sitting right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, about to be the number one seed here yet again. So look, I mean, Let's not do this again. Seriously, I, I don't right. want to do this with Aaron Rodgers again. Maybe <laughs> unless maybe Wheel of Fortune comes up, we can talk about him. Maybe taking on another game show or something of that nature. Chris, the defense. T.J. Watt has been absolutely phenomenal. Um, we've we talked, and there's been a lot of issues with the defensive line this year, as far as you know, who's in, who's out. Um, Cam Hayward still tackling people, you know, seven yards after the whistle, seven yards into the end zone. Hey, I admire the hustle and whatever. If you're a legend in the game, you can get away with certain things in Cam Hayward. Uh, but the defense, and look, it's not fair to give anyone and base any defense off of a game against its Kansas City Chiefs. Um, but I know they were starting to pick it up again. And then all of a sudden now it seems like, you know, you get into these teams that can throw the ball over the yard. And then now the Steelers have had some issues with that. 
Yeah, it, it's it's really just stopping the run has been a major issue this season. Uh, and, and part of it is just they, they never got the answers back at the defensive line position that they thought they would. I mean, this was a team going into the season. You know, we talked about the preseason. I said this team, this defense is going to be based off of its defensive front and being able to stop people. You know, Stephon Tewitt had 11 sacks as an interior defensive lineman last year, and he hasn't played a single game. Tyson Alulu, they brought him back specifically to be the nose guy in between uh, uh, Tewitt and, and Hayward and to be that playmaker uh and just to be able to hey just fill the gaps keep the linebackers clean he got hurt in like week two or three and he hasn't been back this season and then even their backups carlos davis was on injury reserve isaiah bugs has been hurt and they've just been down to now sixth and seventh string you know defensive tackles and you're seeing them just getting washed and montrevious adams a practice squad guy that they picked up from the packers and the saints you know they, they brought him in and he was actually a boost to the defensive line uh you know when, when he played and that to me is is this is indicative of just what they've been able to what they've been able to achieve at all. It's remarkable to me that this defense still is able to hold offenses to you know less than twenty points in in, in some games. Because if if I'm an offense and I look at this defense, I say, hey, uh, is that Isaiah Loudermilk? Is that Henry Mondo? I'm going. I'm running right at those guys. Keep Cam Hayward over there. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna double team him and get him and make sure he's not at the game. And another thing about Cam Hayward, this is a dude with eight sacks in a year where he's getting all the double teams. 12 tackles for loss playing at a really high level. Um, and, and, and also you see him not giving him, like you said, like, like, you know, when he chased people down, Justin Herbert was on a, was, was on like a, like a 40 yard run earlier in the season. And, mm-hmm. you know, two, and, and like, and he, he was going to walk to the end zone and all of a sudden you just see big old Cam Hayward just running him down and he tackles him and saves the touchdown. Uh, that's just, that's, that's what he's been able to do. But yeah, it, it is still based off of TJ Watt when TJ plot, TJ Watt. When TJ Watt plays, that's what I meant to say. Um, when TJ Watt plays more than two quarters, of, you know, of, of a game, the Steelers have been seven and two this year. The problem is he's been he's been hurt up a lot. He has cracked ribs. He's had other injuries. He's had groin concerns. Uh, you know, Miles Garrett is going through that right right now, and he's and he and he's missed enough games that the, when he doesn't play, the Steelers are now 0-5 and one when he doesn't play at least a half of football. And the two games that they've lost when he has played a whole game are the games that he's come back from injury. So that. That's been a major concern. But even so, he leads the NFL with 17 and a half sacks in just 13 games played. And again, a few of those games he's 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 missed a good part of. So um TJ Watt is the heart and soul of this of this defense. Um, at least the production part of this defense. I say Cam Hayward's still more the soul because he's the guy that he's he's the veteran that fires people that fires people up. Uh, but you still got people like Minka Fitzpatrick who are coming in and Minka Fitzpatrick, you don't want it this way, but this is again indicative of where the Steelers are. He leads the team in tackles with 114. You don't want your free safety leading your team in tackles. That means he's having to come up and make all these plays. But at the same time, he's also come up and made a lot of plays on the run to stop teams from get from turning a 10-yard run into a 40-yard run. Um, and that's kind of where they've been. So this is a defense that's kind of had to, you know, deal with some serious adversity. Devin Bush, I think, has come on better of, of late. He had a, an, a good start against the Bills, a bad run for about like four or five weeks uh, where he was not being in the, in the right spots and looking timid and not sure of how to get around blockers. But I'd say over the last two or three games, he was able to rebound a little bit. Now, he missed the last game because of COVID. And we'll see if he gets back for this game. But they they really need their young core to kind of show up and 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 develop here. They need Mika Fitzpatrick to keep doing what he's doing, TJ Watt to be healthy, but they need Devin Bush to keep playing better. They need some guys to emerge in the defensive line. And then we'll see where they you know who they can actually build around in the coming years to keep that defensive nucleus. Uh yeah, and when you have a high-paid linebacker in Joe Sherbert, you have a former first round pick in Devin Bush. Um, you certainly have no thought process where it's gonna end up 
being that Mika Fitzpatrick is the leading tackler for your team. Yeah. Uh, we're going to flip it up here. Chris is going to take on over. We're going to talk some Browns here, the trials and tribulations of what has the Browns now at seven and eight. And ironically enough, um, not dead yet. Um, and we'll see how everything for the AFC North, everything uh, pretty much matters. And we'll know, you know how much further these dances are going to go for these teams come about 3.30, 3.45 on Sunday. Going to continue through here. You cross over Thursday. Lockdown Browns, Lockdown Steelers. Wrapping things up here on Crossover Thursday, it's Locked On Steelers talking Locked On Browns. Chris Carter, Jeff Lloyd, your guys in the AFC North holding it down for you on a Thursday. Uh, and you know, and you know, we we hope everyone's getting ready for their holidays safe. They have they're having a good they're having a good week after Christmas, and everyone's going to be able to enjoy their new year. Now, Jeff, I, w- I want to talk about the the struggles that the that the Browns have had to get people healthy on their team because you know jc treader has had has had a hard time the offensive lines had a hard time all season you've had injury problems at the running back position you know a big a huge part of what makes the browns is that their offensive line bullies people and that their one-two punch of the running back position doesn't let you breathe if 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 things get going and that just hasn't been there this year who are the people who are the guys that have stepped in stepped up and filled in for the browns and where do you see where do you where do you see this playing out in the final two weeks? Just with what you've heard on the injury front and what they've been dealing with. Well, I mean, the, the one thing you're not going to get back, Jack, Jack Conklin. So obviously, you know, he is on injured reserve at right tackle. Jack Conklin's season is over. Um, but it got to the point here, and like we had these conversations in 18, 19 after Joe Thomas. You know, are you going to take Joe Batonio? Are you going to put Joe Batonio at left tackle? Came into the NFL as a tackle. Rounds made of a left guard. Um, he might be trending towards the level of a Hall of Fame left guard. Um, they were so up against it the Monday night, well, Monday night, Monday late afternoon against the Raiders. They had no choice. They had to put Joel Batonio at left tackle. He was phenomenal. Absolutely incredible PFF grade of over 91. Keep in mind, you know, guy hasn't played tackle in years. Um, you got into it on Green Bay on Saturday. You still didn't have Jedrick Wills. He was not able to make it back from COVID. He will be back Monday night. Um, so you were in a position where you played Joel Batonio at left guard again. J.C. Treader, and this is where it was tough. Now, when you're talking about, you know, the – head of the NFL Players Association. Obviously, J.C. Treader was doing everything possible to keep himself healthy. Um, Still ended up at the end of last week, and to his credit, wasn't feeling well, voluntarily got tested, and obviously came up COVID positive. Uh, So that took him out. Um, You put in Nick Harris. Nick Harris, second year. uh, He was his first career start at center. Did start once a card in 2020. Showed well. Um, And the big key is to play center for the Browns is they like for you to be able to move. If you can be an asset pulling as a center, the Browns right. absolutely look for that. And so Nick Harris looked really, really good in that role. Michael Dunn, who uh, has filled in at left guard, he's better in the run than he is against the pass, uh, kind of get beat up, up the gut a little bit. Uh, so, you know, he had his issues. Um, Blake Hance, Blake Hance doing the best he can. Blake Hance was a great story, obviously, last year in the playoffs. Um, but as often when you get to see somebody on a regular basis, maybe you start to notice deficiencies and warts. But this week they should be back to Wyatt Teller, either J.C. Treader or Nick Harris at center. I think either one of those right now, J.C. obviously a lot more experience and you know just um, the wherewithal. I mean, it, there is no tougher son of a gun in the world than J.C. Treader. The guy barely practices, gets out on the field on Friday, you know, absorbs what he needs for the game plan, goes out there, performs, and then it's rinse, repeat. 
Um, and JC Treader, we hear things like, you know, it's degenerative with the knee, so which means it's only a matter of time. So there could be a way, you know, the possibility where, you know, the Browns do move on. Joel Batoni will go back to left uh, left guard this week. You have Jedrick Wills back. So to be able to have most likely four out of five of your offensive line at this late in the stage, not even just injuries of the season, but your COVID. Oh, everybody's been through it for the Browns Everybody. offensive line. So they're to the point now where hopefully that has been in the rear view. Um, there's been times where it's been difficult to run the ball. I mean, the Ravens just basically said, we are taking this away. And there's nothing, you know, we don't think you can get vertical on us. We don't even think you're going to throw vertical on us. And until you do, we're not going to change. Um, some people went to, uh, you know, obviously Baker Mayfield, a lot of turnovers, uh, Christmas Day in Green Bay. The first one, which was kind of a YOLO ball, I was okay with. Because the reason was, is you need to show that you're at least going to attempt something 30, 40 yards down the field. So at least they did it. They created a little breathing room. Nick Chubb had a phenomenal day. Granted, in the end, it didn't work out for him. But you cannot let people just come eight, nine, ten in the box and take the, your best thing away. Um, if you do, you're foolish. So you at least have to challenge. Hope you draw, you know, pass interference. Hope at least it goes incomplete. Obviously, they didn't get some of those breaks Saturday, Christmas Day in, in Green Bay. But you have to do it in order to get your best asset involved in the game. So it, it's been tough, and you know, for the Browns, it was a tough, you know, five, uh, five day period between the Raiders and Packers. It was tough before that finding out who's in, who's what, you know, how many guys are going out the door. Then you mix in things like trying to get players back. Greg Newsom, big part of their secondary. He was trending ready to be back with a concussion. Oh, no, two days before Christmas, he lands on the COVID list. So it's been tough in that respect. But, you know, offensively, they're going to be as healthy as they can get or possibly be. They'll be as healthy as they can be going into this game. He should have Kareem Hunt back for the first time now in three weeks after he essentially you know missed a month earlier in the season. So hopefully he's got fresh legs. You can pair that with Nick Chubb, who's been doing some good things. And Dearness Johnson has gotten the job done when they've called his number. Uh, before we flip to the defense, I gotta ask about Baker Mayfield and where where Browns fans, where you stand, where 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 you think the organization stands on his future with the team. Because again, first overall pick, he's been he's been a pride of Cleveland. You know, he's 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 been a guy that everyone's been excited around. But you know, he has a four interception game. He's had some struggles this year. Granted, he's also had a lot of struggles with receiver. I mean, you go back to that last Steelers Browns game. You know, Jarvis Landry didn't haul in some key passes that would that would have changed that game and and would have put more pressure on the Steelers. Uh, Donald People Jones has certainly dropped some some passes that Baker Mayfield has put right in the bucket. Um, and, you know, Odell Beckham Jr. leaving the team in the middle of the season. There's a lot of things that have gone into it. But is there still a sense of confidence that Baker is still the guy of the future? Or is is this kind of a trial period? Do you think the Browns are on? We're going to say, hey, Baker, you got to show it now or we got to make other plans. And, well, this is where it gets crazy. Because, look, I mean, with the scenario still there that the Browns could win the AC North and host a playoff game. Um, with all that's gone on this year, and you know he would obviously most likely be a key factor in getting these final two victories if it plays out like that. You know, does that maybe absolve some of the sins of earlier in the year? Um, we have no way of knowing what exactly the injury's done to him. Um, you know, the shoulder injury, um, the, the 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 second interception was poor mechanics. I mean, his footwork is off. It really is. His, um, foot, I mean, I just I remember seeing his ankle roll. I was like, ooh. and that's something he did to himself. Like he didn't, you know, kind of corkscrew the wrong way. Was it rust? You know, some people want to claim that, but his footwork's kind of been off this year. Look, your footwork's off. You're a short quarterback. That's what's going to happen. Ball's going to rise. It's just the way it goes. You know, A plus B equals C in that scenario. Where do the Browns go from here? Um, Russell Wilson has a no-trade clause. Deshaun, Deshaun Watson has a no-trade clause. I'm not saying that if it came down to maybe one or two teams, the Browns could have some more appeal than another team. 
the whole Deshaun Watson thing, look, that's not something I don't even want to come close to even speaking about. There's a yeah, lot of stuff yeah. that's got to go on outside of football before you even talk about where Deshaun Watson is going to be playing football. Aaron Rodgers, what he saw Saturday, is he all of a sudden going to give up 17 years in Green Bay because, you know, the Cleveland Browns, you know, only lost by two in Green Bay. I don't think that's happening. The question is, what can you do? Um, and they're floating right around where they're going to draft probably anywhere from maybe 13th to 18th. This doesn't look like a very promising, you know, quarterback class as far as, you know, uh, the 2022 NFL draft, not to mention there's going to be plenty of teams in front of you who have to address that option themselves. Do you go a better veteran backup route than Case, Case Keenum? Question is, what guy? Look, he's here. They have picked up his fifth-year option. I don't think anybody's coming running to take Baker Mayfield off the Browns' hands. Would they truly entertain it if there was a viable upgrade? Yes. I just don't know if that viable upgrade truly presents itself. Look, Baker, you know, with the injury, and look, he certainly has not played his best ball. There's no way around it. I mean, you can't just say, you know, four interceptions is four interceptions. There's just no way around that. But you also, and as you mentioned here, look, Jarvis Landry is finally healthy this year, late December. Normally guys are tapping out about this time of year. Jarvis Landry finally looks top shelf through all of the injuries, you know, bangs he's been through this year. But at the end of the day, you look at his top wide receivers, you know, Jarvis Landry, Donovan Peoples-Jones, Rashard Higgins, None of one of these guys is ranked higher than 77th on the PFF list of wide receivers. Mm. So he's obviously not working for much. And then you have beat writers, you know, glamoring on, you know, about the, the trio in Cincinnati. Any one of those receivers would be the number one wide receiver in Cleveland. Easily. They would get 10 to 12 targets a game. So he's not working with much. But in the same respect, there's a lot that he's left out there. Um, he knows it. He admits it. And that's even the thing. When he admits his mistakes or admits his falters, like they jump on him even worse. And, you know, I can understand him being upset. I, I I can. You look, I mean, everybody in that locker room is probably feeling the same thing with all the expectation, all the anticipation of the season. I don't think any of them thought they'd be sitting here at seven and eight praying for help to get hopefully, you know, to yet a second, a second year in a row in the postseason. Um, so there certainly is frustration with that. But it's completely understandable. They just need to, you know, A, get a little help here. But to think about it on the surface and say, hey, and if Chris, if you would ask me in the beginning of the season, Christmas Day, the Browns are going to Packers. Browns only lose by two. You're going to sign up for it right now? There's not one Cleveland Brown fan in the world that wouldn't have signed up for that and thinking realistically that was possible. They went in there. They played well. Obviously, mistakes became their undoing. Even if it wasn't interceptions, if it was just a couple of faults on drives, had it one or time, one or two, two more times, three interceptions led to three Packers touchdowns. It's, just, it, it's concrete. That doesn't happen. Maybe it's a punt or two. Who knows? Maybe you find a way to pull that sucker out 22, 19, something of that nature. Um, but it's been a tough ride for six this year. It's been a tough ride for everybody. And I think the craziest thing is, is, and we'll get to it here, I'm sure, is how excited I am now about this Cleveland Browns defense. But at the same time, I'm looking at this offense going, oh, man, what the hell happened? Yeah, I mean, the Browns defense shares a similarity with the Steelers in that they they seem to go as far as Miles Garrett goes. When he's on and he's making plays, it creates a lot of opportunities and they win games. I mean, and the fact goes, you look at their at their last two losses, he hasn't had a single sack. He's been hurt. He's talking about like it seems like groin injuries have really gone around the NFL this year. I and mean, I don't know if it's just if it's just coincidence or it's just you know something to do with training. But you know, when you look at the at the games that he's played, you know, against the Ravens, he get he gets a big sack and, and they get a win. Against the Lions, he gets a sack and a half. They get they get a win. You, you see that he's a big contributor here. What have you heard on Miles Garrett's status for this game? How he's how is he getting over his groin injury? Is the long 
Is the longer break coming from Saturday going to help? Um, and, you know, how have guys really built around him on, the, on, the, on this Cleveland defense? Because you've seen Jadavion Clowney get five sacks this season. He hadn't had that many sacks, I think, in the last couple of seasons. Well, the thing with Miles, and this is where, look, I mean, you can have somebody that's viewed as being the star. But I think what Miles Garrett did Christmas in Green Bay was, you know, you see, hey, he's just another guy who cares about us and wants to be there with us. And I think it got to the point later in the week where once Miles basically said, look, I'm going to be out there. I don't know what I got. I think the Browns even stopped asking. It's like, all right, as long as you can go out there, just stand and wear that number 95 jersey. Because, hey, number one, we ain't got anybody. But at the end of the day, people got to say, that's Miles Garrett. You wow. have to take account that it is Miles Garrett. Maybe as the game goes on, you say, look, man, maybe we don't have to chip. Maybe we can get away without double teaming here. Things you can do. And, you know, Jadavian Clowney being back this week certainly helps because there's nobody else that the Browns could put out. Look, Porter Gustafson, Joe Jackson, they try. Put out their best effort. They just don't, yeah. not the overall freak athletes that Jadavian Clowney are. So now if you still have to put some attention to number 95, you have Jadavian Clowney on the field. Opportunities for him. Malik McDowell about this week. He's been better as a pass rusher. Then he's been at times. He's a splash guy in the run game. Um, but with the Browns defense, I think they've truly grown. And the Browns don't do captains. But by all means, Miles Garrett would wear that C on his chest. And he'll play. And, you know, I think he knows full well. And it's probably hurting any opportunity at defensive player of the year for him. Because it doesn't seem like he can truly, you know, get to the quarterback like we've seen from Miles Garrett, you've seen maybe a little bit of you know smartness on his part. It seemed like there were a couple times where he was trying to lag at the line, realizing he wasn't getting penetration. So, hey, can I maybe help out by knocking a ball down? Can I disrupt the passing lane? Um, you know, and using his intelligence to go along with it, because that's one thing that's uh, you know probably underrated with Miles Garrett. As great as an athlete he is, Miles Garrett is a very, very intelligent man and gets very, very smarter football-wise as the years go on. So it's been great to see him evolve as a leader and him being out there. And there was probably had no business, you know, my guess. And he looked maybe 60%, 65% of himself. Um, it's tough. And, of course, with the groin injuries and all this stuff, Chris, man, these guys, I mean, you can use the term groin muscle. Everybody has one. But guys like me and you, it's not a muscle. It's called, it's labeled a muscle, but it ain't built. So these guys are so twitched up, so jacked up. Yeah. I mean, a sneeze will put them in a bad spot. Um, so you hate to see it. And, you know, for T.J. Watt, you know, it credit to his season as well, um, you know, for the, as much time as he's missed for the statistical output he's put. Um, but you you notice it, and it's visibly, easily visibly noticeable in these games when you can see, you know, these absolute just beasts. When you, when they're hampered and when they're limited, you, it, it shows right away, especially when, you know, Miles Garrett's having a hard time turning a corner on a third-string undrafted free agent left tackle for the Green Bay Packers. Absolutely. We're way over our time. Otherwise, I'd keep asking you questions, Jeff, so we can keep so we can keep <laughs> things rolling. But but uh, but it's always a pleasure to do crossover Thursday with you, my friend. Uh, you know, it's, it's uh, you, we, we always we, we get to do this twice a year, sometimes three times a year. Um, and it's a uh, it's a pleasure doing this. It's going to be an exciting last year for yeah, last year. Oh, geez. Wow. We did that. <laughs> the mulligan. My goodness uh it's just well, I, th- I think about that and i'm just like wow it's really been it's really been that many times but b- bottom line is these two teams they've you know regardless of where they've been it's it's been remarkable to see them go up against each other and this afc north it's been remarkable to see how this how this division has played out over the season it's going to be a very interesting monday night football game you know for, for i guess for both for both our sakes for the teams that we're covering uh we, we hope to get go chiefs this week so that it, uh, monday night has a lot more weight to it and then whoever wins that can look 
at the other team and say, hey, can you, I know we beat you last week. Can you help us out? Because we need, we, we need your help there. Um, but it's certainly going to be an exciting time. Jeff, thanks so much for doing this. Let people know they can find you, follow you, and get more of your work. Uh, as everybody knows, you know, the Locked On Podcast Network, you know, daily podcasts, wherever you get your podcast, make sure you're uh, following or subscribe. Locked On Browns, five-star ratings, written reviews, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Uh, getting excited for it. Um, you know, there's obviously some trepidation, you know, as you know, obviously as important as this game could be Monday night. Uh, the Browns nor the Steelers control how important this good game could be Monday night. So, of course, you know, Patrick Mahomes, you want to go set an NFL record, you know. Sunday afternoon, that'd be fantastic. Um, make James and uh, Jake sweat it out for another week, so to speak, here. Um, but anyway, slice it. Regardless, it's Bengals. I'm sorry, it's Browns. It's Steelers. Monday Night Football. Should always be a good one. Should always be a good one. I'm Chris Carter, the Locked On Steelers podcast. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Carter Critiques. You can, you can also listen to my show just like you listen to Jeff's show on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Odyssey, YouTube, all the different ways podcasts are hosted. Uh, if you want to help us out, leave us a leave, like on the video. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. That helps us out. Also, leave us five-star ratings on Apple Podcasts. That stuff helps out. And you do it on my show. You get a special shout-out at the end of the show. We got one more show this week on Locked On Steelers, one more show this week on Locked On Browns. Getting you ready, final previews, final predictions on how things will play out. Stay tuned, Steelers and Browns fans. It's going to be an exciting weekend.